just to launch this conversation. This is our playground. They have spontaneous conversations. They don't plan this. I mean, there's actually something sort of spiritual about that. What's he do? He's a human being. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a sexist feminist. We should be friends. Rob and Callie show. This is Callie Alpert. I know Robbie Kay is in New York City. I am calling in remotely from Florida, and we welcome everybody tonight. Hey, Rob, how you doing? What's up, Miss Alpert? How are you? How's Florida doing? Florida is lovely. It's. Uh, I was thinking today. I'm, I'm here visiting my snowbird sister, mm-hmm. having just a little sister time for the last handful of days, which has been lovely. Uh-huh. And uh, I was thinking about the weather today, which is the weather since I've been here is such a cliche topic, but the weather's been very um, uh, erratic and very, very windy and a little aggressive and uh, in flux. So it's sunny, it showers, it changes, it's windy, but it hasn't been like that kind of stereotypic Floridian sort of weather. So I thought it was kind of a metaphor for what's going on in our country right now that was my my artistic mind earlier was thinking about that yeah it sounds like uh it's a good reflection as far as what's what's going on the weather patterns in the south so you're having a good trip having a really good trip how's new york city actually new york is great it was like 55 degrees when i walked over here it's like really nice Oh, it's good because I'm coming back tomorrow night um, before I hit the road again for a little uh, work gig. So I'm glad that it'll be gentle when I land instead of like 10 feet of snow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, it'd be good to good to see you back here. And um, yeah, I, it's so funny because I was doing um, a Facebook live stream right before I went on the air, like just telling everybody what the topic was and saying that you're out of town, you'll be calling in, I'm in the studio. And it's like, I'm still getting used to it. So it's like, right before I go on the air, I have this face like, is this working? And then all of a sudden you're on and you're like, hey, hey, you know, trying to look all cool and everything. So it's kind of funny. I'm so glad you did that. Actually, I was unaware. I was thinking about the one we did last week and how happy I was that we graduated to start exploring the Facebook Live thing since we've been talking about it for a while. Yeah. But I didn't know that you were doing it um, tonight. So thank you for that. I'll have to, I'll have to check it out after the fact. Yeah, yeah. We're moving on to video. Soon we're going to be globally everywhere. <laughs> we are moving on to lots of things. You just gave me the perfect segue because I, um, I said this to you earlier. I wanted to take some time um, before we really launch into our show to talk about how excited we are for, you know, another. We, we used a reference to March Madness, the metaphor, or, uh, a few weeks ago when it came to the the marches that were happening around the country. But we have our own kind of March Madness in that we have some amazing guests uh, for the remainder of the month um, starting next week. And so I just wanted to give a little bit of a shout out to what we're, um, what we're, you know, what we're going to be doing. So next week we have Karina Virginia, who is an amazing, special, delicious Kundalini yoga um, teacher and healer and uh She's just, um, she has a new book called The Central Kundalini Yoga, and so uh, we'll be talking to her about fear of failure versus fear of success and how they, you know, how they um, commingle and how they sort of overlap. Um, And then the week after that, on Tuesday, March 21st, we have Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. This is so exciting. You know, it's been a while. We haven't done like a deep tease like this, you know, ever in the history of our show, but these people warrant it. and uh, Don Miguel is a healer and an author and has assumed um, the, on, on some levels, assumed the baton from his uh, um, world-renowned, um, best-selling author father, Don Miguel Ruiz, who most famously wrote The Four Agreements. So that's uh, exciting in two weeks. And then rounding out the month of March, on March 28th, we have our... World, I, I keep saying world-renowned, but everybody is. Um, uh, world-renowned psychic medium John Edward, who I am blessed to have known for the last 10 years and couldn't be more excited, is going to be joining us for a little bit of an out-of-the-box kind of conversation about just the state of our country and all the energetic shifts that are going on in the world. So I just wanted to give um, a little bit of a 
just a preface to to all of them. I'm excited for that. Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to those shows. We're going to have a lot of fun, and I'm sure it'll be great conversations had by all. So, um, everybody, those are some upcoming guests for the next several weeks. Yes. So, should we tell, should we introduce our topic for tonight? Sure. <laughs> you want me to do it, or you want to do it? No, you go ahead. I think it was your topic, <laughs> so yeah, you introduce it. So this is a topic, well, you know, because we've, we've been talking about this behind the scenes. This is a topic that we've never done in the almost two years that we've been doing this show. It's uh, a very pervasive topic. It's one that it, it's very sensitive for me. I told you I've been thinking about it on and off for a few weeks and was a little sensitive because I, um, it just, it's, it's complicated and it's layered and it's got some, I think I've got more uh, questions than I do answers when it comes to this topic. So tonight we're going to be talking about expectations, or as we're titling the show, Great Expectations, and just what it means to have expectations of people, situations, um, the difference between expectations versus needs versus hopes, and if... You know, we uh, sort of cliche is if you know if we set ourselves up for disappointment when we have expectations. Yeah, it's it's a good topic. I can't believe we haven't talked about it as well. Um, I have very low expectations for this show. I just want everyone to know I have no expectations because I've learned over the years to keep my expectations low. I think someone said to me once that serenity is in serenity is in direct proportion to your expectations. So, or sometimes that can be the case. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I think it's a good topic. We're going to have a lot to talk about. I love that you're setting the bar, you're managing expectations for the show. That's, that's very wise. That's very wise. I, I learned that, um, years ago in my work, you know, my professional career that, um, you know, it's sort of, uh, manage expectations or what's the, what's the expression? Undersell, over deliver. Right, right, right. Um, so as I was thinking about the show today, I was just uh, I was you know just sort of thinking about my own experience with this topic and you know just looking it up as I as I sometimes do before we have a show, kind of googling around for different definitions and things. And I have two quotes here. One of them is by my uh, longtime and now former therapist uh, when this topic used to come up in different um, situations, and she would always say that. We're not here on this earth to meet anyone's expectations, especially when they're put on us in sort of irrational ways. Mm -hmm. And then the other is by a more um, famous public human, Alexander Pope, who said, Blessed is the man who expects nothing, for he shall never be disappointed. Mm. So while I value and heed these quotes and these thoughts, I've always struggled with this because I don't necessarily believe in living an expectation-free existence. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like intellectually, I understand how expectations can set one up for disappointment. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what we're taught, especially as you try, you know, in your spiritual course, if you have one, um, just to try to understand... Uh, how not to do it because it, you know, inevitably can lead to feeling disappointed or dejected or whatever. And yet I have not fully reconciled that concept. Like I said, I understand it intellectually, but um, spiritually and emotionally, I I don't really buy it because I don't know that it's, um, that it applies to us as human beings. Right. You know, have you, is this like a word that you grew up with or really thought about or have any like lessons where you were consciously taught? I just want you to know, Callie, I don't expect anything from you. I think you are just great the way you are. I just want you to know that, all right? Good to know. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I was thinking about, you know, my experience with expectations uh, through my life. And actually, I think part of it pertains to Don Miguel Ruiz's four agreements, where isn't one of the mm-hmm. agreements don't take things so personally? Yes. Right. So I I think years ago I took a lot of things personally and I had high expectations for people and demands on people. You know, they were more than expectations. And I think it was an unconscious way to sort of 
push people away and perfectionism. And if they let me down once, I'd take it really hard or I take it really personally and I would get upset. And I think it was just part of my evolution and growing as a, a human being to kind of learn that, you know, everybody has faults and I have faults and people are going to disappoint me and sort of learn how to let things go and, and understand that sometimes people aren't going to act the way I want. Now, that being said, there are certain <laughs> basics in my life with relationships when I have with pe- that I have with people to where if I give you a call and you don't call me back, I kind of expect that you'll call me back. If you don't call me back, then I'm probably going to think that something's wrong. So I think, you know, in that instance, you know, having an expectation of basics is appropriate. Yes, absolutely. And I have, you know, I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at my notes here and I probably have more undiscernible notes that I've had for like many shows we've done recently. Yeah, yeah. So I was just sort of scratching. So that was one of the points that, um, that I also wanted to make, which is, for, well, first of all, I was, as we kind of dig a little bit deeper, I was separating at least our first segment into the difference between expectations of people and expectations of situations. And, um, getting, we'll get back to people in a moment, but the one that's a little easier because I think it's less uh, invested emotionally, at least for me, is situations. So, you know, whether it's taking a trip, a vacation, or taking a recommendation for a hotel or a restaurant, or uh, accepting a new job, or whatever an experience is, and these are inanimate things, they're things that come often with a big investment in, in anticipation or expectation, right? And, you know, what I've learned, especially, like, from traveling, is that you could show up to the same place that your friend did, you know, um, a month earlier and have a very different experience. And I think that it's important to manage expectations and to just be present in whatever your experience is so that you can have your own unique experience and not feel a sense of disappointment. Um, you know, but when it comes to people, it's definitely trickier and more complicated. And so to your point, yes, I believe that there are, there are basic things that I think are reasonable in terms of expectations. And I agree with you. One is, you know, if you reach out to somebody, um, you call them or you text them or you email them to, to just the basic, um, sort of golden rules that you do unto others. You want them to reciprocate with a return phone call or an acknowledgement of a text or a, hey, I can't talk to you for two weeks because I'm really busy, but something that makes you feel like you're just being respected, I think it's reasonable expectation. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I also think um, it's, as far as expe- expectations of others, you know, sometimes when people don't meet my expectations, it's more information about the person. And so I can make an adjustment like, oh, maybe they're not great at this or maybe they didn't want to talk about that or maybe they're not interested in that or whatever. Like an example is um, I have a friend of mine who has been living in an apartment for a while and she doesn't really like it anymore. And over the years, I've made suggestions about apartments that come up that I think she'd be interested in. And she's really busy with her career. She has trouble taking time for herself sometimes and taking time to follow up on opportunities. And it's like I I just got an email from another friend who's subletting a great apartment right here in the Upper West Side. And then there's an option to renew the lease after the sublet is over and it's a great apartment with a fireplace, great price, great rent, great building, great location. And she didn't follow up on it and she's probably going to lose it. And, you know, years ago, I expected that she would follow up. Now I'm like, nah, she's just too busy or maybe she just doesn't want to move, you know, so um, kind of learning more about one of my friends. Just to let you know, Callie, we've under a minute. Okay, so. Um, yeah, I think then I'll, I'll save some of my some of my other thoughts for when we come back from the break. But I think that also your example speaks to again the difference. There's a lot of distinctions here and a lot of layers because one is about people's behavior in general, and then the other is their behavior toward you or me. Um, and that's what I have a harder time with. That's where I get a little murkier. If it's just sort of data about their behavior and you can find your way inside of their behavior, like the example you just gave. Um, I find that easier to do. But when it comes to not reciprocating, you know, a sense of givingness or generosity or reciprocity or whatever word you want to use, that's where I think it gets a little, I get a little tripped up. I get a lot tripped up sometimes. Right. Well, we're going to try and untrip you when we get back from the break. (laughs) We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Robin Callie Show. Tonight we're talking about great expectations. Expectations of others, expectations of ourselves, expectations of life. So Callie, right before the break, you're talking about how you're getting kind of caught up in how others treat you and your expectations of them. Yes. So... (laughs) So I, you know, I look at it in different categories. First of all, I'll tell you just a quick little anecdote. So, <laughs> so here I am. I'm just, you know, visiting my sister for a handful of days, and I, th- I told you this offline, but why not share it with our listeners? I, uh, my sister hijacked my phone the other night and hijacked my Bumble account and started swiping um, male prospects in Florida to to go out on dates with. And in the course of 12 hours, I had like a breakfast date that I had yesterday with a very lovely, sweet guy. Right. And we talked about a lot of things, but one of the things he brought up, um, having no, you know, no reference to our show and having no idea what we were going to be talking about today, mm-hmm. said that one of the things that came to him that he wrote down in his little affirmation book was that you know he has expectations but not attachments. And so, again, while some of this might be semantic, it's just these are different sort of nuances of what the word expectation means. And so um, we were talking before the break about uh, when it comes to people in our lives. And I think, again, there's different tiers. You know, I break it down into people that are uh, people that I know casually, whether they be sort of distant friends or colleagues or former colleagues or people that I know three times removed. You know, and in those situations, Again, if you think about the golden rule, which is sort of do unto others as you know as you want them to do unto you, right? Um, basic humanity, you know, things like returning a text or returning an email or returning a phone call or sending a gift or you know and, and getting a, a thank you or um, you know if someone says they're going to do something, I think it's reasonable to expect that they're going to do what they said they're going to do. Or you know, you have a hot date or it's the first time you. Um, become intimate with somebody and, you know, you expect that they call. I don't think these are really irrational, dangerous expectations. I think they're human expectations, and I don't really see an issue with that. Again, I I, I think that there's a difference between sort of, um, I don't know, maybe thinking that uh, it'll happen or anticipating or hoping it will, but also be not losing sleep over it if it doesn't, I guess is, a, is my distinction, you know? Right. So do you have a specific thing you're going through maybe where you're having a challenge with someone who hasn't met your expectations? I think the thing, I think the things that I've gone through with people, um, the next layer would be people that I'm very close with, Mm. uh, people that are close friends. And that's where I think it gets more complicated. At least, um, I've had issues with it. You know, I don't, I like having expectations put on me, as long as they're rational. If it's from an irrational place or an irrational person, that's a different story. That's not for me to, to, to take care of. Right. But with people that I'm close with and we have healthy relationships, I want to show up for them. And yeah. that's just my natural go-to kind of reflexive thing. Mm-hmm. So if someone's going through a hard time or, you know, my other challenge is that a lot of, most of my very close friends on the planet are not local. Mm-hmm. And so there's a distance thing. And so how do you create a rhythm or some sense of consistency with the way you correspond with them? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably where I get a little, you know, a little bit more tripped up is what's what's reasonable. Um, right. You know, I don't think there's a right or wrong to any of it. I think that when every relationship you create, the rhythm and the back and forth that works for you, no one's to say what's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. For me, when I get um, troubled, is when that rhythm changes. And not once, because there's exceptions, or someone's going through a hard time, or lives get busy, or you get caught up in other, consumed in your life. But when that rhythm changes for long periods of time and never really finds its way back to the precedent that you thought you set in the first place after years of knowing somebody. Does that make sense? Yeah, you yeah. Like you're too. talking like how relationships change over the years, for whether through distance or relationships or whatever, and maybe your expectations aren't getting met the way they used to, and the person's changed or the dynamics changed. I totally understand that. It reminds me actually of a buddy I had um, for years. We were close friends, and one of the challenges I had with him is he would just kind of check out. Like he just wouldn't be that reliable. And, you know, if I had a birthday dinner, he'd show up late. 
Um, if something else happened and I confronted him about it or something, he would say I was being too serious. And, you know, maybe I was back then. Because, again, back then I had very high expectations and I, I demanded too much. And it, it wasn't like outwardly being hostile towards people. It was an internal mental thing where I just expected a lot from people. And I was very needy back then, I guess, you know, and they say needy is greedy. And it's like I, I had to learn to pull back a little and and realize that we'll get to this later. But I was really expecting the most from myself. And I was just transferring a lot of that anxiety probably onto other people. Anyway, so so I decided with this friend that he thought, you know, I was expecting a lot or I would I would say if he didn't show up to something or whatever, maybe not behave the way I did. And I decided for a couple of years, I wasn't going to say anything. I was just going to let everything go, not do anything at all. Let him be the guy he was. Then my dad passed away and I sent an email out to my closest tribe, my inner circle of people, just to tell them that my dad had passed away. Here's where we were going to have the funeral. Here's where the shiva was going to be. If people want to stop by and give their respects, which Callie, you did. And I love you. And I thank you for that. Um, there was information to all of my closest friends. And I remember my best friend from high school sent me a card and, you know, I'm actually getting, you know, a little emotional thinking about it. It was such a kind card because he knew my dad while we were in high school and just wrote some really great things about my dad. And he couldn't make the funeral, but he just wanted to give his condolences. This other friend that I found to be kind of unreliable in ways that I thought I was being reliable, did not acknowledge the email at all. Didn't send a text, not a phone call, not a card, not an email, nothing. So I let it go. And then, and so my expectations were completely not met with that because I thought of all the people on that list, I thought he would be one of the people to definitely reach out in some way. And he didn't. And again, it was more information about him. And I think so what happened was months later, he was, we were on Facebook, and I saw him on Facebook a lot. I'm like, you know, I see this guy on Facebook all the time. He didn't contact me when my dad passed away, and it's like we don't really talk much anymore. I'm just going to kind of say something to him, how it hurt my feelings when he didn't respond to the email about my dad's passing. And he took it as there I was, being too demanding again, being critical of him. He's not the friend that I think he should be. And I haven't talked to him since. And that was years ago. And to be honest, it was actually a blessing in disguise for me and probably for him. It just was not a good fit for us to be friends anymore. And we had outgrown the friendship. And so sometimes, I guess, when expectations aren't met and you confront somebody about it, it can actually work out for both people the best. Yeah, I really relate to that story on so many levels, and I appreciate you sharing that. I, and I was just having this conversation with my sister before, you know, before we went on the air tonight, um, because what I tend to do in those situations, and I've had those, it's, I would say for me most recently is the you know the the two plus years that I had uh, after my job got eliminated, and I was in a very very dark place for a really long time, struggling like financially, creatively, identity wise. Uh, professionally, and I was needy, and okay, so what, you know, and when you're needy, you feel, I, I, I'd like to think that um, there's a path to to just to need people or to have expectations that people are there for you, so while I really appreciate what your, you know, your example about, as my old um, therapist used to say, collecting data on people, it's more challenging when you already have kind of a foundation laid with people, supposedly, that are very near and dear to you and that you know have a huge capacity and care about you and love you, but don't show up in the way that you need them to in the moment. Right. My sister was telling me a story uh, about an old friend of hers. Um, this is many years ago, and he was in a very uh, challenged place, and he had some stuff going on in his life and was in a very transitional um, place as well. And he had shared with her that, the people that he expected the least from were the ones that showed up the most and vice versa. The people that he thought were closest to him that were reasonable to put some needs upon were the biggest disappointment. And it was a huge lesson that you can't really tell who's going to show up for you. Um, the trick, though, is that, again, like changing up your definition or your perception of what a friendship is. You know, I feel like I have... I'm really blessed because the people in my life are really, really special people, and there's a reason that we have so much love and so much um, 
uh, friendship and camaraderie um, between us. And yet when there's these glitches, it becomes very confusing because, you know, I start to second-guess myself. Is it me being too needy? Is it you, you, the universal you, having um, a lower threshold? Is it that, you know, when I was in a place where they were needy, I gave more, not that you quantify it, but um, that maybe my threshold or availability was different. You know, it's it's very hard to be objective about these things, and it's very case-by-case. Case. Um, you know, and the other thing that comes into play with all this is, um, which maybe we can continue after the break, is, is sort of the, the single thing, too. You know, it's, it's like for people that... Um, have partners and children and jobs and everyone's busy and their bandwidth is taken up, how much, how fair is it to need of them or expect of them? And again, these are rhetorical questions I don't have answers for. At the same time, I've used that excuse already. I've used that one up for people that have disappointed me. Um, And I know what it's like to be really busy and to be really spread thin, and yet I still feel like I show up. So it's, you know, it's hard to know how much, uh, you know, how much of the sort of, you know, meter of friendship and love and availability, um, you know, how much that well is, uh, how much that reserve is available for people, depending on what your life situation is, you know? Right, right. Yeah, and, you know, I'm thinking while you're talking, Callie, that we're talking about expectations, but it's also about reliability. It's also about trust. And I had to learn how to trust people. I had to learn how to open up and let human beings get close to me and, and sort of let them in and, and learn how to get hurt and have hurt feelings and not, big, not make a big deal out of it and move on or talk about it a little and strengthen the relationship and get a little more intimate or close and then move on. It's like, these are things I've learned. And I have to tell you that a lot of the people in my life and my tribe are reliable, they're trustworthy, and they usually kind of meet my expectations. If that's the word we're going to use, it's like what I think they're usually going to do. They do, you know, and it's like people that are flaky or who don't keep their word. I mean, we're talking a lot about the four agreements tonight. You know, it's like if they're not like that, they're just not that close to me because I offer that in relationships. And I don't know if I expect that back, but I certainly would like it. So with that, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about expectations of ourselves. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Robin Callie Show. Tonight, we're talking about great expectations. And um, we're going to talk about what we expect from ourselves. Callie, did you want to go first? Uh, I think, um, first of all, I'm really glad that we're we're looking at this topic from all these different uh, angles. Yeah. Uh, because, again, expectations of other people is one thing, be it strangers or our family or people close to us, as we just discussed. Uh, and then there's expectations of ourselves. So, you know, I think uh, my expectations, of, I, I don't think I was aware of this until... I was well into my uh, 40s, and I um, I didn't realize that I had expectations of myself or how hard I was, or the bar that I kind of set for myself in different areas of my life, be it professionally or um, lifestyle-wise or physically working out-wise or whatever it might be. And, you know, I realized, and I, I've talked about this on the show before, it was actually my therapist who pointed out to me how hard I am on myself and how perfectionistic I am because I don't look at myself that way. And again, I think this whole topic sort of speaks to that for me, which is I don't, I think I'm lacking a sense of objectivity with everything that has to do with um, expectations and needs and hopes and desires, be it for other people or, you know, or toward other people or toward myself. Um, because when you're in your own body and just sort of living from your own perspective, it's hard to feel, you know, a sense of objectivity. So it took somebody else to point that out to me. And I think in the, one of the biggest forms in which it, it's come is that since I was very young, or at least a burgeoning adult, that I had this major desire to use my creativity and my professional acumen to dis- do something huge to save the world or to really help or serve the world. And 
I uh, I mean that from a very deep place, not from a place of. I try not to come from a place of ego. Certainly, there's ego in there, but um, genuinely, just wanted to make sure that whatever I did in my life has was is purposeful. And as I've gotten older, I've recognized that that sense of grandiosity has been so unrealistic and has put so much pressure on me. And while there's plenty of things I've accomplished that I feel very proud of, um, that I've really had to work to kind of tone it down because in reality, we just do the best we can every day. And in whatever form that comes, if you're living from a place of mindfulness and feeling conscious and feeling well-intended, it doesn't matter if you're Mother Teresa or if you're being kind to one person on the street. It's that your intention is rippling out and doing just what you, you know, what you hope it will do. It just comes in a form that's not so um, lofty and measurable, you know? Yeah, I'm glad that as a child you had very low expectations and low pressure of yourself that you just expected that you should save the world. (laughs) <laughs> just a little just just a little to do list that's all <laughs> poor Callie <laughs> no so I, you know I kind of felt the same way when I was a kid I wanted to make a difference I've always felt that way um, and um, you know my my expectations I think um, well what I expect of myself usually and the standard that I hold myself to is I treat people the way I want to be treated and I treat everyone the same I really try and do that whether they're the president of the United States or whether they're the janitor who's sweeping up the floor I try and treat everyone the same and treat everybody with respect and kindness and and maybe some levity and some humor you know Um, that's sort of what I expect of myself these days in a positive way but to get to some of the challenges about how we treat ourselves or, or some of the pressure that we put on ourselves I was doing a voiceover job last year, and it was a lot. It was like a four-hour session. Usually usually a voiceover job is about an hour or two at most. This was double that. It was four hours. And it was a lot of copy. They had like eight different ads. They wanted me to voice for demos for the client. They were pitching to the client. And by the third hour, I was getting a little tired, and I... I was finding that I I got tripped up on a certain word or a certain way they wanted me to inflect something, and I couldn't do it. And I started to put a lot of pressure on myself, and in between takes, I was getting really nervous. I'm like, I got to, you know, deliver this this information the way they want it. You know, I got to say it the way they want it. And, you know, all I needed was a break. I didn't realize that, you know, maybe someone to eat. But um, I realized at that moment, actually, looking back, it was a blessing in disguise because... I thought to myself, like, I got to do this. I got to get this right. And this voice said to me, you know, with all the shit that you've been through in life, it's incredible that you're standing in a professional voiceover booth in an ad agency doing a voiceover for a national commercial to help clients. Like, it's incredible that I could handle that amount of stress considering some of the things that I've been through in my life. So it was a bit of an epiphany. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to expect so much from myself. And and that's expecting too much for me to be perfect all the time or do everything there the right way all the time. And and so I just sort of lowered the bar of my own expectations and lowered the pressure of myself. Um, and that, that was, you know, just something really good to, to learn about myself. I think the other thing is that... Um, Lately, I've had a lot going on and um, just, you know, a lot of stuff, a lot of good projects, a lot of creative stuff, a lot of professional stuff, personal stuff, social stuff. And I've been feeling pressure lately about it. And um, sometimes I can get overwhelmed just with life. And sometimes when things are going really well or sometimes when I have a lot going on, I just want to take a nap. Like that's my reaction to it. And And so I was talking to a friend yesterday. I'm like, you know, I have a lot going on and I just want to take a nap. And she said to me, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And it was just a reminder to not expect so much from myself and also allow myself to lower my expectations that 
I'm allowed to take care of myself that way. And again, going back through my history, the way I grew up and stuff I've been through in life, you know, sometimes, you know, I got PTSD. It's like, you know, sometimes I need a little break from life. You know, I need to take a nap or, you know, I need to chill out and listen to some music or do something or take a walk in Central Park by myself. Like that makes sense considering the guy that I am. And so that lowers my own expectations of myself. So we had a little technical difficulty, so I got dropped out, and I, I missed a good portion of what you said, but I think I um, got the context of, of your story. And, uh, yes, I think, it's, um, I think it's really important to give ourselves a break. You know, on some level, I wonder, and I'm still kind of sorting this out, if the expectations I have of myself are my um, the precedent, for better or worse, that I project onto other people, which wouldn't be fair because they're not fair to, to myself, so why would they be fair to anybody else, you know? Um, but I realize that even in um, small doses, like just in moments where I catch myself feeling like I didn't do uh, well, you know, good by somebody or where I second guess the way I handled the situation and I, you know, I, I need people to remind me that um, in the moment that I chose to do something, in the moment I was well-intended, even though retroactively I'm judging it, you know, that to take all that on and stay in your head is in and of itself putting a lot of pressure on yourself versus just sort of accepting moment to moment that you do the best that you can, you know. Um, I remember even uh, many years ago when I got promoted uh, inside the same company I was working for, the same television show, and I got promoted to a supervisory position. And I was talking to a friend of mine about this promotion, and he said to me very intuitively, you're going to have to learn to manage your own expectations of yourself. And I was so bogged down with all the mechanics of everything else that I'd have to do and what I was anticipating about this job that that was really lost on me. And in retrospect, he was so right because that was probably beyond it being the hardest job of my life, that was probably one of the bigger facets besides, you know, how I handled the day-to-day and different people in the dynamics was the fact that I was putting so much pressure on myself to do it well beyond what was reasonable given the different dynamics, <laughs> you know, in the environment that I was working inside of. So I think it's also just really important to give ourselves a break and to realize uh, that we are, you know, that we're only human, we can only do so much. Yeah, and we talk about on the show about going where it's warm, and that includes within ourselves. You know, it's like I, I have this part of me that's a critic. I call him the judge. And when he starts judging people, oh, there's the judge, you know? And it's like the more, the the easier I am on myself, the easier I am on others. The less I expect of myself, the less I expect of others. And I'm talking about demands. I'm talking about you know, uh, beating myself up, you know, really putting myself in a position where it's just unfair to me. You know, one of the things that shows me that I've made a lot of progress because Callie, I think on the show, we talk a lot about the journey, you know, and the progress we've made. And I suggest to clients and, and just people in general, look back a year ago, where were you a year ago? How did you feel about yourself or your life or your relationships or your job or whatever a year ago, or look back 10 years ago or 20 years ago, if you're old enough, look back that far. Where were you back then? You know, it's like, where did I start from? And from where I've started, I'm winning. So that's really good. But one of the things that that really shows me how much growth I've had is when I make myself laugh. Like when I'm walking around my apartment and I make a joke and I laugh at my own joke or something, it's like that shows that I've made a lot of progress in how I treat myself and what I expect of myself or what I allow or or just sort of enjoy about my life, you know? Yeah, and that's nice to have a sense of humor and to be able to be your own, you know, object or subject of your of your jokes is always a really good sign. I got to tell you, I am a great audience to myself. <laughs> well, that's you know, I, I keep thinking of that book. Is it from the nineteen seventies? How to be your own best friend? <laughs> yeah, I skipped that one. Was it good? <laughs> I think I stole it from my mother's like bookshop along with a lot of other 70s self-help books back in the day. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that's really important. And it's also, um, you know, it's a great barometer to like look back and see. I, I love that analogy, or that suggestion, just to look back and see 
where you were. I mean, this also has to do on some level with regrets, too, and not holding on to things that you feel were sort of missteps and to give yourself, you know, a break and to forgive yourself for moments that you might not have been as proud of and just to learn from them. I think that's all tied into expectations of ourselves, you know. Um, I am thinking of something uh, somebody told me years ago, just sort of a metaphor that if you're on a journey of discovering yourself or trying to evolve as a human being, that it's similar to going to the gym in that day to day you just have to get your ass there and kind of commit to what you're doing. But you don't really see the results until you look back a month or two or six and see how your body's changed, you know? So sometimes what might seem like a little futile attempt or, um, you know, a high bar or low bar or whatever is really just uh, our desire to kind of get better. And I think that's all we can really do. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that analogy. I call therapy going to the gym for your emotions. So I think it's good. You know, we're all trying to get bigger and better. With that, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to end the show talking about our expectations of life. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Robin Kelly Show. So tonight I kept my expectations low the show, and we've gone above and beyond my expectations, Callie. This has been a great show already. I know it. <laughs> What's your gauge? Just the way I feel. I'm enjoying the show. Are you enjoying the show? I am enjoying the show. I mean, sometimes I struggle because when topics are, sometimes I, I over, I've been, I've been accused, I've been known to overthink along the way. Uh, and when topics are so uh, layered and textured and personal to me, it's um, almost, sometimes there's almost too much that I don't feel like I'm getting it out uh, clearly and articulately and in a way that's helping people. So, uh, yes, I am really happy we're doing this topic, but it's also kind of hard because I feel like there's so much. Right. Well, I just want you to know, I think you're doing a great job. <laughs> well, thank you, because that's all I care about. My only <laughs> expectation is that you, as my judge, approve. <laughs> and that's keeping your expectations very low. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to talk about expectations of our lives, what we expect from life. And for myself, I know when I was younger, I didn't, you know, have a lot of great experiences. And into my young adulthood, it was pretty challenging. And so I, I think I expected um, negative things to happen. And a lot of times I've talked about this on the show. I felt like a victim of the world. I felt like I just had really bad luck. And then eventually, when I was in my early 20s, I got on a spiritual path and started to focus on the power of positive thinking and law of attraction and different things to watch my thinking, how my thoughts created, what I manifest in life, what I attracted in life. And that sort of changed what I expected from life. And I started to kind of expect a miracle, especially when I was going through tough challenges um, I would expect good things to happen. I would have faith in the universe that somehow, some way, things were going to work out in my favor and I'd be taken care of. And a good example of this is um, years ago. God, this is years ago. I had a girlfriend at the time and I was working in catering. I was trying to get voiceovers going and I was actually in an on camera commercial for Applebee's. Callie, remember this? <laughs> I remember when we celebrated it very vividly. That's right. We went to an Applebee's and I bought Callie dinner. In fact, I did it with another group of friends. Like I took them there and, uh, and yeah, my girlfriend at the time and we all had dinner. I was like trying to pay Applebee's back, you know. But anyway, so what happened was is that I was in this on-camera commercial for Applebee's, and it was all improvisational. We just kind of made it up as we went along. It was filmed in an Applebee's in the city. And somehow I ended up in the final cut of the commercial, And um, but but I didn't know if I would actually get paid for it or not. So this is months before. I'm walking home one night with my girlfriend at the time, and I'm really worried about rent. And I didn't have the money to make rent and I'm talking to her and I'm like, you know, I have like another week to figure this out and I'm just going to have faith that somehow, some way I'm going to get the money and the universe will provide. And so, and, I, and she could tell I was really worried and, you know, she's very supportive, really good girlfriend. So I grab the mail, we get up to my apartment and before I even take off my jacket, I'm flipping through the mail and I see there's like an envelope from some talent 
company and I open it up and it's like a $1,300 check for that commercial. And out of nowhere, this money had appeared that I needed for rent. And she, and, and, and my, my reaction was so strong. I was like, Oh my God. She's like, what? I'm like, I got a check for the Applebee's commercial. And she like jumped in my arms and we were hugging and I was all just so happy about it. So I sit down, I had a, a desk in the apartment, in an office in my apartment, and I went back to my office, and I call my buddy, and I'm telling him about it, and then I'm looking at the mail, and there's another envelope there that I didn't see, and it was another $1,200 check that they gave me for another commercial that they had made out of it, and so here's $2,500 in 15, 20 minutes when right before then I was telling my girlfriend, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. So that was sort of me expecting a miracle and a miracle actually happened. Yeah, I think that's a really cool distinction. And I like the idea that we're ending the show on this note because expectations have a pejorative tone. The word does. And, you know, like we talked about earlier, it can often mean that you're setting yourself up for disappointment and that it means that you're lacking acceptance and all these things that we're supposed to be kind of curbing and finding, uh, you know, kind of a reasonable place for. Then there's the fact that, you know, um, many would say, and I know you and I would, that the universe is a, a benevolent universe and meant to... Uh, facilitate abundance in all of us. And so with that, if you believe in the law of attraction or sort of bringing things in that you desire for your life, that, you know, you're supposed to, what is it, um, ask, uh, expect, and receive, or whatever the kind of um, uh, formula is. But that expectation is not a dirty word, which it often is in other aspects of our lives. But here it's meant to suggest that we see that um, positive things are to be anticipated and nothing other than that. And that's sort of what you're describing. And so I think when we're talking about law of attraction or manifesting our relationship with our higher power, uh, the word expectations is definitely, um, you know, it's, it's positive. And, you know, if you come from a place of fear or defensiveness or lowering or managing expectations, it's not deemed realistic it's deemed sort of defeatist you know so to expect that great things are going to happen for you and to foresee that all of the desires that you have are going to be met is kind of in keeping with this language you know so it's an interesting distinction um you know based on the what we talked about earlier in the show Sometimes I like realistic expectations and sometimes I like unrealistic expectations. Mm. I, I think it depends. But I also think that, you know, the universe helps those who helps help themselves. And so I think the more actions we take, the universe loves it. The more we step out of our comfort zone, the universe loves it. The more we take a risk and we do something that we're afraid to do and we have the courage to do it, even though we have fear, the universe loves that. And I'm not saying that we get rewarded for it, but sometimes we do. We actually see results of that energy. There's a shift there and things can happen. It's sort of... Like sometimes we have to have blind faith. Sometimes I'm, I'm walking and I don't know where my next step is going to be and I'm scared and I'm nervous about it. But I keep walking, having the faith that somehow, some way things are going to work out and that I can expect to be taken care of. And I think I'm so glad that I got to that because I think that's one thing that a lot of human beings have a challenge with is they don't think they're going to be taken care of. Whether their president didn't get elected or whether the girlfriend broke up with them and ran away. It's like people think they're not going to be taken care of. At least that's what I think sometimes and a lot of times. And it comes back to having that grounded faith and that belief that I can expect that this energy that made me, that I'm connected to, loves me and wants the best for me and is going to take care of me. Amen, brother. Hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I think that's really, really beautifully said. And it 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 reminds me of you know like when I, when I was a kid growing up I was extremely idealistic and um, I was in some ways I was for lack of a better word accused of being idealistic it was not supported often around me with some of my um, family members or teachers or adults 
because they were concerned that I was looking at the world in an unrealistic way or that my expectations would not be met and that the world was actually a difficult place. And then as you get older, you realize on some levels, and again, this is a, it's, it's a delicate balance because there's the reality of what we experience. And yeah, I think that life on earth is hard. And as you get older, it gets harder. Uh, at the same time, I think that if we keep a perspective uh, that, you know, and a filter through which we see things, that you draw into your life what you, um, you know, how you look at it or what you put out. So for many years in my, I would say my late teens and early adult years, I really struggled with this and I would judge myself a lot and I thought, well, I really have to tamp all this down because I'm looking at everything through rosy colored glasses. I'm looking at prospective boyfriends and are they going to be enough for me and maybe I'm too much and my needs are too much or jobs are not quite meeting my needs and so I'm just going to have to accept the fact that nothing can really make you feel fully satisfied or fulfilled and that was sort of what I was always grappling with and so you know and then you kind of go through that and you get older and then you realize as you again find whatever your spiritual practice is that, uh, like you said, the more you expect of the universe, the more it provides. And I remember having a very vivid moment probably in my, I don't know, it's probably in my teens, if that. I might have even been younger, where uh, for whatever unbeknownst reason, I was thinking about pipe dreams and sort of fantasies. And somehow I knew that pipe dreams and fantasies were just ways of bringing in what you wanted in your life even though I was being told around me that they were unrealistic and that I needed to manage my expectations. And so, you know, as you get older and you realize that while the world might get harder, if you keep your eye on the prize and you keep your mind on positive thoughts, you're going to bring just that in. Um, And so, I don't know, it becomes a little bit layered again because you're dealing with the reality of becoming an adult, which is not always pretty, and at the same time trying to fortify your faith that things are going to end up well. Right. So I, I think it's a matter of practice. I think these are ideas and behaviors and, and sort of just uh, exercises that we're trying to practice, you know, as much as we possibly can. It's like that affirmation I use when I'm going to a party or a situation sometimes. I'm like, this may not suck. It's like, you know, I'm expecting, yeah, this may not suck. And then usually it's great, you know, or, or at least really good. And it's sort of like, you know, just even trying that, if you find that your thinking is going to a negative place and you're expecting a, a, the future of whatever you're going to, a situation, a business meeting, a date, whatever it is, you know, it may be great. You may meet the love of your life. You may close the deal, make more money than you ever have. You never know. So it's sort of seeing that negativity creep in and just being like, okay, I see you there, judge. You're judging it already. We're not even there yet. Let's see what happens. I think it's a matter of just practicing this stuff as much as we possibly can so with that we're coming to the end of this episode Callie do you want to say anything else yes I want to say number one thank you um, for doing the show and I miss you guys and I look forward to being back in the studio and I quickly want to remind everybody that we have really exciting shows coming up for the rest of March next week Karina Virginia Kundalini yoga goddess teacher spiritual healer Uh, On March 21st, we have Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr., and then on March 28th, we have none other than the amazingly world-renowned psychic medium, John Edward, and I'm so excited for all of them. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to those shows. They're going to be great. We miss you, too. You're going to be back in the studio next week. We will see you then, and thanks for listening, everybody. Take care, y'all.